Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckleberry fins? All right, I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Jason Schwartzman is on the show today. I like that guy. Nice guy. Do you remember the first time you saw Jason Schwartzman? Probably in Rushmore. Where you were like, who is that guy? Where did that guy come from? He's great. Had a nice conversation with him. So that's happening soon. Hey, you know what I don't do enough? Gratitude. Did I say that? Gratitude. I want to thank all of you people who listen and send me stuff and send me letters and emails and presents and records. I get them. I listen to your records. I listen to them once, maybe twice. And if they stick, I'll I'll say something and I'll, I'll enjoy them and I play them more. I do give a listen to the records I get. I will tell you that and I appreciate it gratitude i'm doing okay doing better than okay i should i should get up in the morning and go like you know what it 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 kind of worked out it didn't look like it was going to and it is now so you're gonna have to accept that and behave properly stop complaining and not having a nice time how long do you think life goes on for man can't keep chasing shit and comparing yourself to other people sometimes i just want to split man i like what so last week it was like i'm fucking done with twitter i'm done with all this bullshit just goddamn noise there's just noise everywhere draining demanding noise that keeps poking at you the noise that pokes that's where we are culturally just this racket this yammering racket that is always kind of uh, pushing its way into you at varying degrees of intensity and volume. How many machines you got to turn off to get some fucking peace of mind? God damn it. Am I getting sick? I got to sh- gotta shoot today. Oh, there's the dog. Sounded like somebody was torturing a monkey up the street just an hour ago. It was crazy. I know what the hell it was. Either someone bought a pet monkey or they were torturing somebody. Then my neighbor, Adam... Uh, said he had just t- taken his, he put it, he was washing his parrots. So that explains it. I was in the jungle area. I was in the, I was in the territory. I was in, I, I got the, the general tone of the sound correct. I made a mistake between a uh, complaining monkey and a, an excited parrot being bathed. 
Uh, I'd forgotten that my neighbor had parrots, and I was reminded of that as I woke up in the jungle this morning. Oh, my God. Today's the day, man. 12-hour, not 12-hour, but a 12-page day. I don't know if you guys know how TV works. What happened? Here's how we do it. We're shooting about an episode every three days, and we kind of go back and forth uh, in those episodes every day and shoot pieces of them. So, you know, an eight-page day is a pretty hearty day, and our first day today of shooting is a 12-page day, and that's going to be a lot. That's like, you're back in, man. And my life right now pretty much looks like what'll happen is like I'll get my lines in my head last night and I get up and I, you know, I'm on set all day and I'm running lines with my, uh, with my co-stars. Uh, we're doing the scenes, you know, as many times as necessary. We just jam at it all day long, different outfits, different scenes, different actors, uh, different angles, uh, get that coverage. Uh, hopefully we get some good stuff. We're the two scripts we're doing this week are great. Um, and then like I, you know, I work 12 hours, 13 hours, come back home, shower, wait an hour, get the sides for the next day, start cramming those lines into my head. I'm in every scene, not complaining. It's my show, but that's the way it works. So it's pretty heavy, man. So I'm going to be underwater, you know, for about two and a half months doing my show and talking to you people. Won't be a lot of stand up, uh, maybe on Saturdays, but this is it. This is season three. We're in it. I'm excited. And uh, and I honestly am overwhelmed by the response to season two and even season one on Netflix. I'm glad you guys like the show. Okay, look, let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk to Jason Schwartzman. I never talked to him before. I always assumed he'd be a good guy, but he's a very sweet man. And um, he, I was I was thrilled to meet him. We had a nice time. It, it was like it was it was one of those situations where I'm like, you've, you're so familiar with a guy, and then he's like that guy. And that's always it's comforting. All right, let's 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 enjoy now. Uh, my guest, uh, Jason. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you get it now wherever you get your podcasts sportsman i listened to your first um coconut records record did yeah oh. i listened to it yesterday thank you it's nice it's nice pop music thank you it's very sweet but i can tell you're a gear guy because it sounds yeah. like some guy who sat there and did it. I love SM7. Yeah, the best. Um, it's a great mic. Do you like them? Yeah, I really do. Do you sing in them? Um, I've never used this mic to sing in before, but you see lots of people that do. Yeah, um, I, I heard Michael Jackson sings in these. Come on. Yeah, SM7s. That's what I heard. Really? In the studio. 
I've had everybody on these, like when I record people playing music yeah. in here, and I and I just because I don't have anything, I can't mix. All I can do is ride levels. So right. so it's just going to be a, a mic'd guitar yeah. and that, and I have everybody sing on that. And to hear it with no, to hear singers with no filter, no yeah. nothing, this thing does it. It's, it's amazing. Best. What do you use it for? Uh, no, I know I don't have one. I want one. You do? Yeah. Just to have? Well, I would like to have a mic like this, like that's. This can do anything. Yeah. And I feel that there's something indestructible about this. There and is. I like indestru- I like indestructible things. Yeah, sure makes a um, couple of things like that. The the 58 too. Indestru- that I have. You got to have a few of those. Yeah, you ha- you should have a few. <laughs> yeah, got to um, a few 58s. But I um uh I love gear, but it's sort of embarrassing cuz you know, I uh I would say that I spend <clears throat> like uh any if there is free time at night yeah. to just sit there and my favorite thing to do is just look at pictures of gear, gear and read about gear and yeah. what things do. Yeah. And then I watch a lot of videos. You do? I love them. <laughs> but then there is a moment, too, where because I'm not so, so mm. technically minded, there's a moment when it goes, it, it crosses way beyond what, I'm, what I know. Yeah. Which is fine when I'm at home, but definitely it happens, like, at stores. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, is this this keyboard? So, like... I'll have heard about keyboards or I've read about keyboards that, you know, for years, like, I'm, I've been looking for one just to play one and right. really get your hands on it. And I get there and I'm talking about it. But I guess, you know, I'm enthusiastic about it. But sometimes that can be misunderstood for not deep knowledge about yeah. it. Yeah. And, like, the sometimes the person will be so, it's, yeah, it's, oh, I'm glad you know about this. It's great. <laughs> and plus, we can double connect the yeah. oscillators of the thing. And I and then I just sort of, like, then I'm too embarrassed to yeah. say that I don't know. <laughs> you go, oh, you might, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Can you show me Can you show me an example of how that <laughs> happens? Uh, so it's a little like that. But, um, but I love it. And it, not only that, uh, I love gear. And it's I, I, I buy gear. It's my favorite thing to look for and invest in i mean i don't have crazy stuff but you have a lot of guitars it's also the most aesthetically beautiful stuff to me oh yeah you yeah i mean well, I, yeah we were talking about that stuff inside yeah it, it, you, the eye for design on stuff is pretty amazing and most like photos like rock and roll photos yeah i typically don't like live looking photos you know yeah. like hendrix on stage no. i get that it's amazing <clears throat> to me i would much i much prefer seeing like Todd Rundgren sitting at the yeah. desk yeah. in his studio with his head in his hand, not getting it right or something. Right. And just so you the, can look around at all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, the amp in the background. Sure. What I kind love, of pencils? I love it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Has he got a little stress ball on the. I love it. Yeah. Does he have this? Hand, <laughs> yeah, that thing, the hand, hand exercise. Wow, I'm not at this level. What? what I don't know. What that's some, I don't know. Someone sent that to me. <laughs> so it's, embarrassing. It's hard, even, right? Yeah, I can't it's even close it. It's a hard one. Um, but I love, uh, I love it so much. And, uh, and I do believe in the idea that every instrument. You would write you write differently on each thing. Some people think, oh, I don't know if that's true, and it probably isn't for everybody. But I think each guitar or each pedal yeah. has a thing about it. Even if you can't, even if it's imperceptible, if you f- if you feel that it has something different, uh, I think that it can offer you something. Well, that's the magic thing. You, you know, I mean, it's a, your, things do have magic if you invest it in there. You want a coaster, or you want to put the? Okay, want, right here. Okay, we'll see what happens. This is a reverse coaster. Yeah, we'll see if it. I does, put it on nothing. If it, it falls, floats, <laughs> floats if it, over. If it doesn't doesn't end up in your lap, it's all good. It seems to go. It works perfectly. All right. Well, then I'm. I I've never seen that happen before. This is a first. You stacked good. your coffee cup on the tape, 
But uh, yeah, I believe that's true. I think that some instruments have, uh, you know, they, they, whatever they bring out of you. It's what you, it, yeah. there's definitely magic to it. I've talked to people about that before. People believing in magic and believing what. If, uh, of course, that's going to provoke you. Each thing's going to have yeah. its own power. You have a lot of guitars. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you write the the songs. Well, I, at least on that record, they're all very different. So they all have a different feeling to them. And, yeah. you know, I imagine that playing different instruments and, and uh, getting different groove going with things. There's a little R&B on there. There's a little pop. For there's sure. some sad music. Yeah, well, even a country song. Well, that happened... Basically, what happened was um, I had been writing music, but the way that I like to do it is um, in pieces. Yeah. Little, I just sort of write little chunks of things. Yeah. And then later, I start to I assemble them and... Anyway, I, I usually record music with my friend Woody Jackson, who, if you want to see an amazing studio, yeah. if you truly are in the L.A., if you go in deeper into the L.A. area on Melrose near Larchmont, yeah. you should see this, his studio. It's called Electrovox Studio, and it's unbelievable. I'll show you pictures. Yeah. It's actually, the oldest recording studio in Los Angeles. That's his? Yeah, and um, his collection of uh, instruments and, and just musical aesthetics has been inspiring, but... Um, Anyway, so I usually work with them, but I, I ended up, I had a bunch of songs. Yeah. And I, uh, but they weren't songs, they were just pieces. Yeah. And um, I was, I had, I had been broken up with. Um, is it 17? No, this was now, when I made my Coconut Records record, it was 25 or 4 or something. And, so you've done uh, some acting already. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've been working. And I was in a band uh, called Phantom Planet that began in 1990. Four. How old were you? Fourteen. So was that the first thing that was before acting? Really? Was you wanted oh, yeah. to be a rock guy? Oh yeah. 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 Um, without a doubt. And you were a drummer. Yeah. Can you still play drums? Yeah. Um, I can. I don't. It's it's such a at least the kind of drumming that I'm interested in, and it's such a lonely instrument because uh, I like to play songs like with people. You like to sing? Um, I was never a singer. Um, that was never my, uh, I sing on the records because my little brother actually encouraged me to do it. Yeah. But initially I'd asked him to sing on my records. He's Your a brother. really good singer. Yeah. yeah. My brother, Robert, he's a really, he's a real singer. You yeah. Know? He like warms up and stuff. Right. And, um, but I had never uh, thought about singing. And I also, in my band, I was in a band that had three great singers. Yeah. So I never had to sing. Yeah. But I played drums and, uh, but I don't play them. I have some in my house. Yeah. But. If you play for two seconds, it's lonely. I want to play with people. Yeah. I want to play songs. Well, you got to play drums to a track or something. Yeah. it's. I mean, unless you're interested in pushing the bounds of rhythm. Right. Which, in theory, I am. <laughs> I mean, I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I'm not against it, but it's not, uh, it's not, like, it's not, not in your it's skill not, set. It's not, the, it's not my go-to way to spend time. But uh, you were saying before that, like, writing songs or sitting with a guitar, because for me, it's very meditative. Like, yes. I can't sit quietly. Yeah. So... Like if I if if I play guitar for a half an hour a day, like it really gets me out of my head. Sure. And get, it, it's the best thing for me, basically. Um, and uh, the way that it's been for the last few years, ever since uh, I, I I had a kid, um, I have two children, but my first child came about four years ago, and the way that I used to make music was more loudly. Yeah. Um, I used to write. <laughs> Walk around and hum things, and yeah. sing them with an acoustic guitar into yeah. a tape recorder and, yeah. and such. Then I couldn't make as much noise in my house, so I, um, I started to learn how to use my Garage Band 
in my computer and and you you can use MIDI like I'd plug in my MIDI keyboard and use the sounds in it and yeah. I you know if you were to walk by me you don't you don't really hear anything except right. probably me humming yeah and um I got into a process of writing and demoing at the same time mm-hmm. so I don't sit and make up music without a recording I write I do it I multi-track and I do it like I that's part of the writing but really what it is is it's the meditative thing of like layering things and coming up with a chord progression and it's to me it's the ultimate way to spend time and um at the end of a day i try to do it every day at the end of the day yeah and um for how long three hours is my minimum really so you're you're abandoning your wife and children for three hours yeah well they are asleep oh they abandoned me so you do it in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. that's 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 what i do and um and uh, i would do it in the daytime but I, i i try to do it at night now and um uh, essentially, like, they'll go to bed, and then I'll go out. And uh, I haven't done it in the last few months because we are our second daughter. But usually the thing is that I... It's like people who go to a gym or whatever. It just feels so good right. to think about music. And and also um, now with technology, the what you can do just sitting on your own for three hours is pretty phenomenal. It's really fun. And even if it's terrible... Yeah, you it's have the, it. It's the best way to, it's the best way to um, spend time, even if you just... Are lear- learning how to play someone else's song or covering someone else's song. It feels good to do music, and uh, I think my brain feels um, uh, it locks. It feels good, like it's uh, like you say, it's meditative. Yeah, and do well, you grew up with music? I mean, you, do you, there's music in your family. Yeah, um, I grew up with music, but not. My mom's really into musicals, so like that. I grew up her picking me up from school, and it was like into the woods blasting. Oh, really? She pulls up at carpool <laughs> into the woods. Oh, guys, I got to go. Sorry. Um, my mom loves it. But um, never like was like listening to tons of music as a kid, like in the car with my wasn't dad. Wasn't her father? My dad listened to a lot of talk radio. Right. Wasn't your wasn't your grandfather a composer? Yeah, he was a composer. Did Were you around for him? Did you see? Yeah. Him? Well, yeah. sadly, uh, he died when I was about 10 or 9. I, I forget exactly, but- What was his name? Carmine. Yeah. And um, but you remember him? Oh yeah, the best. Yeah, and and I, I am bummed that I didn't, I wasn't into music on on a deeper level then because I would have loved to have talked to him. But I always felt growing up that um, music was m- more, I guess, uh, my alley. I didn't think it would be like a profession, obviously, sure. at a young age. But yeah. um, movies were so it was like Lethal Weapon. Right, uh, Ghostbusters, you know, just big blockbusters, yeah. comedies, all yeah. the Bill Murray. Yeah. And I, you know, I I hear people say in it that when they would watch movies, they would think I'm going to be up there one day. And I, I think that's cool. I never had that experience. Um, to me, it was just the excitement of going to see a movie and loving it. And, you know, what everyone probably does, you imitate the movies on the way home and stuff. You do the line. But I never... That was where it sort of stopped. You never saw yourself as an actor or no wanted way. to be a movie star. And I don't know if it also comes from growing up in L.A., well, gr- where a lot gr- of kids are actors. Where'd you grow up exactly? Westwood. Okay. But, like, also, like, I, I mean, you know, you grew up in sort of a, a movie clan, yeah. right? I mean, was it, I don't know how the, the, the Coppola family worked, but, I mean, was it a tight unit? I mean, were you around? Was everyone eating dinner together at times and holidays and things? Holidays. Right. Because they, they, my uncle Francis... He lives up in um, oh, up the in Bay the Napa area. Valley right, area. Yeah. So um, see him 
growing up more during uh, holidays, Thanksgiving yeah. mostly. And was that was, was that the congregating place? Was the that was Francis's place? It like, seemed to be. Yeah, growing up, but um, but great great memories and um, I but not a lot of like um, movie talk. No. Uh, my 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 experience of growing up was um, just a very boisterous. Um, family yeah. and you know kitchen, yeah. a lot of cooking and singing. Yeah, um, it seems that my mom and um, her two brothers, one has passed away. the The level of musical knowledge is pretty incredible. Like yeah. um, um, my my uh, my uncle Augie, who passed away, his seemed to be very classical. Mm-hmm. But and I think my uncle Francis do. But but my uncle Francis and my mom have a real m- musical theater. Thing. Oh yeah! Like if you say like, um, I love this cup. This cup. This cup. He loves this cup. Like they, they <laughs> yeah. seem to know like a song about every like from a musical about everything. Like yeah, this yeah. microphone. The microphone. He talks into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I, I uh, it's pretty. It's like encyclopedic and amazing. But so I think I grew up with more around that, like right, a kind right. of boisterous, but never like um, espresso and a deep conversation about, about, about like movies? a camera angle. Yeah, yeah. I don't have. I don't have that. And um, he can do it though. I guess, but I, but my the thing is that my my uncle and my mom, it's um, in terms of them specifically, they um, although they're associated with Hollywood, they're very like not into Hollywood. I mean, yeah. he lives up there first of all, but my mom is like not into Hollywood culture, and uh, she loves movies. And if anything, growing up, I think that's what I saw was um, just like wow, my mom loves movies so much more than other parents. Right, more like that. Like I'd come right. home from school and. You could hear like echoing in my house, like yeah. a TV on, and I'm like, up, oh. yeah, down in that room watching it. You go in there and old, oh yeah, old movies. Yeah. And so I think I saw like someone who loved stuff so much, but um, yeah, for me, music was um, the best, and of course, MTV. Yeah. And uh, I just uh, I felt that music you could do at home. Yeah. And movies they seem like so big. Yeah. And um, yeah, we didn't. Grow, I didn't grow up playing on movie sets or anything. You didn't go. No, she didn't want anyone there. Who your mom? Yeah. How's she doing? Good. She the best. excited I saw about her last night about the grand. Well, I mean, you got a new brand. She just called you got, me. You got a new grandkid. Yeah, she's <laughs> so excited. <laughs> she's got to be. She loves it. Yeah. She loves because she grew up with boys. Yeah. Two brothers and um and sons. Yeah. And so to have daughters, she's just like in heaven. She's going crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> She loves it. Yeah, tap dancing and yeah, well, Esther Williams. Oh, of, really? Yeah, she goes way the back best. in it's the pool. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her. Oh, uh, you know, my mom's goes way. Her knowledge of any. I feel like her knowledge of most things ends at like 1972, movie wise. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in in Hollywood, and I guess um, when was it? What the what was the first movie that you did? Rushmore. Yeah. But when growing, like I, it's it's always sort of fascinating to me that yeah, I mean you're younger than me, but there's this always these generations of kids who are actors, and you know you all seem to know each other because mm-hmm. you kind of do, and and it's mm-hmm. just like any other town where mm-hmm. people grow up. But who were your your peers growing up? Were there were they actors or were they you know did you where'd you go to high school? A school called Winward High School. Yeah, uh, in Culver City. Mm, who are my peers? Like, did I know any actors growing up? When you were growing up, yeah. I mean, were there guys doing the same things, creative people that you were that you know you yeah, kept well, in touch with the whole time? Um, the only one that I uh, no, I didn't like I, because I wasn't in like an acting yeah. circuit. Um, but my best friend in high school, aim or one of my best friends in high school, there was a little group of us. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was his best friend growing up since they yeah. were like four. Right. So I knew Jake. Right. Since I was twelve. Yeah. Not much has changed. Yeah. 
He's always like the handsomest, <laughs> biggest guy. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that guy's got it. Yeah? You're still he, friends? Yeah, I, 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 I am still friends with him. Um, haven't seen him in a while, but, you know. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I feel like it, you know, I remember going to dances, sitting on the wall. Yeah. Looking at him just dancing with like eight girls. Yeah, right. Going, that holy guy. shit. <laughs> how does he do that? Yeah, it's just natural. <laughs> Fuck, how do guy. I? Where do I? Be, how do I begin? Where do I start? As so much is so much is different about us. Yeah, you were awkward. Uh, I felt awkward for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I was awkward. I mean, I don't. I think everyone's awkward. Yeah, in high school, but um, junior high, the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I felt that my school. I didn't go to a big enough school where they were like. To your left, you will find the people that are mm-hmm. the misfits. Yeah. Slightly over to the right, those are the jocks. <laughs> yeah. It was a small enough school where, you know, it was like eight-man football. It was a smaller oh, right, thing. Right. And like, yeah, we yeah. just got- Everyone knew each other. Everyone knew each other. But within that, they were like micro, you know, there's like micro- a Micro click of three. Sure. Yeah. And like- um, <laughs> Yeah. But um, I was, uh, uh, I liked sports and I liked music and, uh, but definitely, I think, I felt I was definitely not doing- well, with girls specifically, yeah, that would that was so. What do you attribute that to? Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so like acting really wasn't on your radar until after high school. I mm-hmm. mean, what what compelled you? Well, what happened was that um, so I was in my band, and my band was like good. Well, that was what I was trying to do. I mean, was that was what I was popular in L.A. I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. In L.A., we would play. Um, we didn't really tour much because we were kids, fifteen and yeah. sixteen and stuff. But play in the L.A. area and sometimes San Francisco and San Diego. But yeah, we would play and lots of people would come and it was the best. And then we got signed and trying to make records and who uh, signed you? Geffen. Yeah, yeah, Geffen Records for it folded and how how did that happen we got our demo tape to um this guy luke wood who worked at um at geffen at the time and um we made a demo and he came and checked it out and we got signed yeah and how many did you do wild records yeah uh well we did we did one we did two on geffen and then there then we moved over to epic sony and then we did a few more there and i left you jam with them yeah no with anybody no you 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 you're solo. Yeah, not not that's not my code. Like that I'm, I'm sorry. You guys want to jam? No, no, you don't know about me. <laughs> just a, I'm a just, lone wolf. Yeah, just me and my gear. <laughs> sorry. You're talking to the wrong guy. You're talking to the wrong gunslinger. You know. uh, I uh no, I uh no, I just what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to do it? Well, that's, I gonna... I, but I want to too. Like, and I'm not, I don't play the kind of music you play. I'm just sort of a dirty guitar player. Yeah. But uh, like it's... Like but I, I wish did... I could do that. What I wish mean? I could solo and stuff you and can't... play dirt. No, I can't solo. I play chords. Yeah, I know, but you know a lot of good chords. You know like all the good minor Beatles chords and things? You know them too. You just got to move the fingers around a little. I just got to learn them. Yeah, I, and, well, uh, you learn that. I'll learn that a solo and then we could like... I could show you some licks. You show me some chords. I, I wish... But you can just get a place. I mean, I'm, I've been beating myself up about it. And I know guys that play. I'm like, why don't we just do a weekend thing and yeah. go, go to a place and just play? But then that becomes its own thing. And then you have arguments and you got to decide what songs. And Truly. Then always end up too loud. And then it just becomes this horrible blues jam for an hour. And you know, one guy goes to the bathroom and someone else is like sitting yeah. on his amp. Yeah, yeah. Rolls it, down the volume, <laughs> stops the buzzing. It's just like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's so you know, sad. Get a gumball from a gumball machine. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of the rock and roll experience. I always think the gumball machine is the worst, it's, but the best. Do you know Adam Goldberg? 
Yeah. You, what do you guys? You, why don't you guys get together in the middle of the night and play some shit? <laughs> who else do I got? I don't know who I got to work. I got to. But he does the same thing you do in a way. He, you know, he's up all night. Yeah. Sitting alone in his house. Well, first of all, I got to change the up all night thing, and I think I've been doing a pretty good job about it. Once you got two, it's like you know, there's no. I can't. No time. No. If they're uh, awake. If they're awake and at night, it's it's you know I got to get rest. Yeah. Got to be rested because right. got to you know there's two of us and. It wasn't like I was off the hook the first time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I was. Um, I definitely um, like could stre- push my body a little bit harder. But I think also, you know, it's interesting to me, like people's creative habits. Yeah. And um, I don't know how much I can. You can just be at the whim of your own. Like I think with two kids, you gotta change your right. body around and also you got to schedule a little bit sure you can't be as impulsive exactly well i'm never I, that's the thing is i don't like the impulsive thing i like the regularity of doing three hours a night i have all these weird rules three hours a night and then the next day never listen to what you did always do a new song and then at the end of four months i put everything into itunes and then i make playlists and i walk around and listen to them to what you did mm-hmm. and that's funny because you'll notice weird things like oh for that for those two weeks everything was in a minor yeah yeah. What was I think? You know what I mean? Or I was, you know, a you minor start to week. see what you were kind of writing. Yeah, yeah, writing yeah. Want the same thing. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. The thing is also it's rewarding in a way that you know if if you just put it on, you've created something that exists outside of you. It's true. Which is different than acting. You got to wait a year. It's true. Before, no, and it's absolutely. very immediately satisfying. That's the thing about it is, um, last year I was trying to write something and uh, sat down. I was sitting there for days and uh, it, it's it's a way more complicated and hard feeling because music even if it's terrible as you say you can hit it yeah and play it for someone even if it's bad it's yeah. sound it's right there but how you know but a but a, a longer format type thing especially it, reading which just takes longer anyway for anyone music is so fast yeah. but um yeah it's harder to communicate it's much more frustrating it's and easier to say i admire it. someone who d- spends eight years writing a novel crazy uh, unbelievable to me it's crazy unbelievable and and also there's so much more room for insecurity when you're oh, yeah. writing you're like no, i'm gonna that's terrible i know i know i know and and i think much more room for totally getting losing perspective oh yeah because with music you can lose you can be listening to something your ears can get burned out but i feel like you can reset it pretty quickly and you can also play it for people right but if you've written like 400 pages of something yeah. How do you ask someone to? Oh, I would. Oh. And how would? Yeah. How it would have chore? You I, have to be pretty close to that. I person. admire that, and 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 <laughs> with the actual fine art so much. You, you admire the ability for someone to say, "Here's 400 pages." Well, first of all, <laughs> I admire anyone who can just read 400 pages. I know. I can't read very well. I'm so slow. Fine arts too. Well, anyone who can like draw something, it's or paint. Oh, yeah. amazing paintings. It's mind blowing. How do you know when something's done? I don't know. Did you ever see the movie The Mystery of Picasso? No. Watch this movie. Documentary? Yeah, it's him painting. Showing him painting. And the black and white? Where yeah, he's, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen bits of that. I don't it's, think I... You should, it's get, get it, because it's... You keep... You see, I mean... He does a painting many times, and each time I'm like, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> and keeps going and makes it even better. Uh, so how'd you get into... Like, I know while we're on the music, so on the solo music, you did some stuff that was, you know, kind of got some airplay and was used in movies and you do, you track some stuff in some of your shows and things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh Is yeah. Is that part of the deal or you just kind of throw your hat in the ring? Like, can well, I do it? When I, I did the theme song for Bored to Death. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure. I feel like I, I, I said like, let me 
have a whack at it, but don't. It's not right. Wasn't other a deal. people? Yeah, right. But it was. That was a really fun experience. Ames I been, is a trip. He's the best. Yeah, my best was my best friend. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he married my wife and I. Did he? Yeah. He gave a speech that was um, so beautiful. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's a and uh, yeah special guy. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. But uh, no, I um. With that song, I just like uh, I kept lying in these emails, saying like, "Yeah, I've I'm, I've got an idea, and it's got I've got an idea for a song." And they're like, "When can we have it by this day?" I I won't have it, but I will I will tell you that it's got this walking bass line. Like I kept throwing out like <laughs> to hold you over phrases, and then it was time to write it. I had to look at all my emails and see everything I had lied about already existing, and then it was pretty easy to write it because I had all these constraints, like walking bass line, some of these lyrics, this thing. Yeah. I was like, okay. What happened to that show? Uh, it got canceled the way that just like that yeah it was uh, you know it was, a, it was a unique show it was a fun who, show who knows why these things get canceled and I will say that I, I loved working at HBO they were really cool and um, I, if they were like we would like to do it again I would totally do it and uh, it was the best because Zach and Ted and yeah. Jonathan it was you know those hours are pretty hard but they're so much more enjoyable when you've got these guys that are just Pros and literally, funny. oh, like my face would just be hurting, and I know, like after some eighteen-hour days, I'd go home so tired, go to bed and wake up so excited to go see those guys. Like almost like when you've got a crush yeah. on someone, and yeah, yeah. it's the beginning, and it doesn't matter, and right, just the bet, you know, the yeah. bet. Like, what are they going to say today? Yeah, and uh, I loved it, and uh, it was it was sad, and it was also sad because um. Jonathan was telling me all about season four. Yeah. So I had this, he had kind of had it all figured out. And then when it got canceled, there was no season four. And then I was so confused because what do I do with this information in my brain? Yeah. You know, it's like I've been something fantasizing about something. I know it was yeah. going to happen. But, you know, yeah. that, I'm happy we even got the chance to do it. It's such a one in a million chance to, like, get the thing to go, to get the script bought, to get the pilot. Oh, to, yeah. It's like, you know. The process is insane. Yeah, so even that, I and I truly mean that. It was like, I'm so thankful we even got it. Yeah. But yeah, I would have loved to have had more. How'd you, so how'd the acting start? It started um, in a very odd way, which is that um, uh, a few years before I was in my band, I mean, uh, before Rushmore, I was making records with my band, um, but I also had written a play because yeah. I liked I liked plays and... Um, my my uncle Francis has this like a, this estate in Napa, and um, he's just a fun person who decided one summer we would have creativity camp. Yeah. So he put out this open invitation to everyone in our family, anyone who wants to come up, paint, make short films, do plays, anything. I was so excited, and I was I was going into my ninth into ninth grade, and I was yes, great. I wrote a play, and um, went up there and. I, we had like props and stuff and I got super into it anyway my cousin Sophia she directed a play yeah and I was in I had like a small partner play it was yeah. just all of us having fun right it was the best who was the audience just family or did people come people in people from Napa oh they came they came yeah. the, oh, at, the, at the final how long did, yeah. was one uh, night but yeah. you, you were up there for a week or so or what I was up there for uh, 10 days okay yeah, doing week. prep yeah like prepping and directing and it was just for fun and it was really cool and now who was involved so sophia directed a play she did one and my uncle did one and my cousin christopher was in my play yeah and um uh, my aunt Allie made a short movie now where does does where does nick come into the family thing he wasn't he wasn't there yeah he's older like he's yeah uh 
he's a he's a little yeah he's older than me but that's not why he was there i think he's probably working was he around was he around when you were a kid um sometimes not yeah. as much i think he was really wor- i mean he was yeah. really trying to well, yeah, make was, it happen yeah, so yeah. you know obviously it's hard to do you have a relationship with him yeah yeah very, yeah really yeah i love i love him so much and <laughs> growing up yeah he was older than me and it's like that that guy's your cousin i was like wow that guy <laughs> I didn't really know no one at the time. I was like, Fuck this guy's the coolest. Yeah, right, you know what I mean. And right. Also, his um, you know, that's the, his his boisterousness and his um love for life and words and that's my family. I mean, that's how everyone in my family kind of talks is loud and yeah. thoughtful and so I was like, just thought he was the coolest. Yeah. And um, anyways, but so you go up for the camp. So so I went up for the camp. Now fast forward to uh, that was when I was fifteen. So when I was seventeen years old I was in the middle of making a record I was going to my senior year of high school and um, uh, my grandfather Carmine who had passed away uh, had written a score for a movie and my uncle to celebrate it was going to have the score played live um, in in Napa and um, he was inviting uh, lots of people from San Francisco it was a charity type mm-hmm. event I believe I'm not totally sure but I wasn't supposed to go anyway my mom was going in last minute She's like, you gotta come. It's my father's music. You gotta hear my father's music and yeah. this this score. So I, I rented a tuxedo and we went up. And at this party, um, there was a um, a woman there named Davia Nelson, who was a local casting director uh, in, San in San Francisco. And um, because she's from San Francisco, my family's from San Francisco. She knew Roman, my cousin, and Sophia. And anyway, they were friends and they were talking and. My cousin said, "What are you? What are you up to?" And she said, um, "I'm the San Francisco wing of this ca- of the casting for this movie uh, Rushmore." And my cousin said, "What's it about?" And she said, "It's about an eccentric 15 year old who writes plays and is a crush on an older woman." And she said, "Oh, it's funny. That sounds kind of like my cousin Jason." And um, she said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, he's right over there." And I and I had rented, I think, like a tuxedo with tails. Yeah. And like I had a hat and a cane, maybe. It was just like a clown. Yeah. I was a you know classic yeah. type of clown person. And um, she invited me over. She said, "Come meet this this is Davia." And then she walked away. And then Davia started telling me what that she was casting for this movie and what I like to um, audition. And I said, "Well, I I am a drummer." I'm not an actor. And she said, well, no, but Sophia said you were in her play and that you might have some things in common with this character. And I said, yeah, but... And also there's a little bit of a drummer mentality in full effect at this time, which is, are you sure you don't want to talk to the lead singer? Yeah, right. That that was sort of my, like... <laughs> yeah, and yeah. in general, that was sort of my high school experience. Right, right. Was um, the the middleman, the yeah. broker. Yeah. For yeah. a lot of... Right. For the other guys, for the girls. Support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... There was a little bit of that residue on me of, I think you might have the wrong guy. Right. And she said, no, no, I think you should audition. I said, I'm not an actor. I never auditioned. Anyways, I mean, it's silly that I would even, but I, so I, I, she said, I said, I live in LA. She said, well, that's where the casting office is. What's your address? We'll send you the script. This was on a weekend. Yeah. I got home and on Monday, this manila envelope arrived with Rushmore. It was the first script I'd ever read. And I remember reading it thinking... Holy shit. Like, this is everything that I love. <laughs> and at that time, I hadn't really seen a lot of movies that were what I was into. Right. It was more music that I was... Right. I loved movies. 
So you and didn't I, and I saw a lot of weird movies. Right. And I had a really instrumental. My friend Brett Berg, who helps run Cine Family now, went to high school with me, and he was always bringing over like Human Highway, the Neil Young movie, yeah. or Listomania, the kid, was fun movies. Since we were in eighth grade, we were watching weird movies. Yeah. Um, but I had never seen like a movie that was a that w- got me like the way music did. Right. That kind of fuzzy feeling. Yeah. When I was reading the script, I was thinking, "Holy shit, this is like a, everything that I." That I that I think yeah about the, I really connected to it. I called the casting person. I said, "My name's Jason Schwartzman. I met Davia Nelson in San Francisco." And she goes, "Yes, we have you down for Friday." I said, "So what do I do? I've never been to audition. What do I what do I wear?" Yeah. And she said, "You wear whatever makes you feel comfortable." Okay. And um, because I was a clown, and because this was such a, it felt it didn't feel like a goof. I didn't think of it as like this is a joke. Yeah. But I definitely thought of it as. I'm not going to get this. Right. So what's the, you know? Yeah. So I um, I decided to like get fully into the wardrobe of the character. So I got some khaki pants. I got a blazer. My friend and I, Mike, we made a um, patch. Yeah. Velcroed it on. I got really into like it. Like a shield mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I basically, my attitude was like, I'm not going to get it, but I will be remembered. Right. How old and, were you? 17. Yeah. And I went in and there were a couple other kids dressed up in the same kind of outfit, which was definitely a bummer. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. Can't even make my big Guess show. Guess we all know this party trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I sat in a room with a bunch of kids, you know, and it's definitely a feeling that I did not like, which That's is these other right. kids kind of sitting there, everyone's looking at each other. I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Um, it felt like every man for himself. Right. Which I don't like. I don't yeah. like competition. And yeah. I'm very competitive with myself, but not, yeah. I, don't, I don't like to compete. And so I felt. Why that, do you have a feeling like there's like you're gonna lose? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why exactly am I? Right. <laughs> why am I even here? Yeah. So I was like, um, so um, anyway, uh, yeah. Like my wife, for instance, she loves to compete. Like she would say, like when she was little, she'd be on the way to like a soccer game, and she'd just be like, I can't wait to get there and get on the Ugh. field and kick their ass. And I, I remember being a kid, like on the way to baseball games. Dad, uh, I think I might. <laughs> Yeah. Have stomach infection, of some, you know, like uh, trying to weasel my way out of it. The same way, man. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I envy people that have a healthy sense don't of competition. You? Yeah, because oh. they don't beat up on themselves. They're, you're given, like, with your kids, what? Make sure they play soccer. Well, I'm trying to definitely. That was a big thing for me in my life was to not display that for my own children. Uh, since they've been born, I've been trying to say yes to things that I typically would say no to. Right. A lot of stuff which is kind of like fear-based right. stuff because I I guess, I, you know, it's just basic stuff. I don't want them to overhear me saying, I can't go to that. I'm too afraid. What if yeah. I mess up? Right. I don't... Right. You, know, you think about it, I mean, in a way that I never had before. But, I'm, but you were forced to play Little League? Well, I loved it. You did? I loved it once it sort of started, but I didn't love being over there on the way to the game and you get out of the car and the smell of the grass and you hear like sound of a ball hitting a mat and like a coach going Johnny yeah try and hit the th-. I just yeah. like not into coaches yeah like the whole thing was just <laughs> even now thinking about it makes me feel terrible yeah, I, yeah. but uh, I guess I also loved it too you know cleats yeah juice boxes there's yeah. something about it too I love yeah yeah um I just didn't like to have the pressure. You know, like that ball's coming. I know. Like, oh, God. I know. What, the, what position were you? Catcher. Oh, so you so you were stationary, kind of. Yeah. But it was a big job. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but, I was, um... I was in center field, and I just sat out there yeah. hoping, like, nobody hit the ball. Yeah, there. I know. I know. I didn't like batting. I don't know. That's the thing. That's the thing I really didn't like. You didn't like it? No, batting. <laughs> 
It's a ball. You're going to get hit by I the thought, ball. I was like, Jesus, what am I, I going to get hit? Why am I going to do this? <laughs> I know. So what were we doing? What did you like about it? The juice box? I think that I liked, <laughs> I think that I did love um, the camaraderie. Right. Right, and I mean, I'm a I'm a solitary. I like lonely activities. Yeah, but I also love like I love to be on a movie set because I love everyone helping each other. Right. So I think there was something about that that looking around like, all right, third base, yeah, shortstop, yeah, second base, first base, pitcher, myself. We are the infield. <laughs> I think there was something nice yeah, about yeah. that. As long as all the pressure is not on you, I think it's, yeah. it's my feeling. It's like I hope that the other guy. No, does. even recently. Um, my cousin got married and we had like a we had a family softball tournament, like yeah. our family against their family. Yeah. And I had to be catcher and a ball got hit and way out in the outfield and someone was rounding the base and all I was thinking was like please please let this guy beat beat yeah. the ball. Yeah, get get out. Please, please don't even let it be an issue where the ball has to come in at the same time as this guy trying to cross the base like um and what happened? It came in right and I missed the tag. <laughs> yeah. So the worst happened. It happened, but it was okay. We won. Oh, good. We won. All right, so you're sitting in this room with a bunch of guys in blazers. Anyways, yeah, I go in, and um, finally, one by one, they go in, I go in, and uh, Wes Anderson was sitting there. He's 27. And uh, I remember instantly seeing he had Converse sandals, mm-hmm. which I had never seen before. I started talking about those, and then um, uh, this was 1997. In 1996, Pinkerton came out, and um, the Weezer record, and um, that was a huge record when, I, when it came out. Someone had, like, an advanced copy of Pinkerton hearing it in a car and it just it, I love the blue album and that record blew the lid off my roof yeah Pinkerton was it was it yeah and um for me and um talking to Wes about Pinkerton for like 20 minutes really yeah and it took my mind totally off the audition and then he was like should we read it and um I think I might have said let's not let this was so good <laughs> It was so nice meeting you. Let's just leave it. <laughs> I don't good. care if I get And the I'll part. leave. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, let's read. And then um, anyway, we read it. And because it was my first audition, I didn't know if it was good or bad. Yeah. And then we started to improvise. And then he said, why don't you stick around for a little bit? I'm going to read some other people. And then he actually had me come in and be Bill Murray and audition people to play the Bill Murray's kids. Part. Right. And I went home. My mom said, how to go? I was like, I think it was good. I spent a few hours there. And a few hours? That's good. And um, <laughs> But she didn't really, you know. She helped me, by the way, for that week, like learning my lines and stuff. And then, did she I got, give you any acting introduction? Just she tried, you know, to like help me with stuff. But I, th- I was so, it's so overwhelming. Did she teach? No, but she should. Yeah, she's good with the teaching. She's yeah. a great teacher. Um, and uh, anyways, then I got a, then I guess it got narrowed down t- to myself and a few other people because I was unknown. I had to do a screen test. Right. And um, I got I did a screen test. Yeah. And um, I got the part. And it all happened pretty quickly. And they were saying, uh, yeah, you're going to be in this movie with Bill Murray. And it just felt like a dream. And, you know, I started my senior year of high school thinking I was going to finish my record, which I did. But I did not expect to be in Houston with Bill Murray, you know, at the start of the school year. And you grew up watching his movies. So yeah. You, so, and he's a pretty amazing character. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah. He's, he's the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> He's the golden child, and um, and you got along with him pretty well. Yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> and um, and then um, but I went back and I didn't actually think. Well, now I'm an actor. I went back and I didn't have an agent. Or After anything. you shot, yeah, I went back to school. kept kept going on my record, and um, that was it. You know, trying to finish the 
the record in school. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, what? Then- and it happened, and it basically happened that I finished my record, and then Rushmore and my album came out within a few months of each other. Yeah. And it was a little frustrating at the time, because any press would say, ah, an actor with a band, uh, with a band. and I right. was thinking, isn't it the other way around? Right. You know, I'm, for me, I didn't care, but it was probably hard on my band. Um, but uh, that's basically how it started, and... Um, it was such a weird defining role. I mean, when yeah. you watch the movie, it's a weird movie. Yeah. There's no movie like it. No. And you're this guy no one's ever seen before. Yeah. And it's so defined in yeah. such a, in the intensity of it. Yeah. I, I, how, but it took a while before someone said, like, let's put him in another movie. Well, uh, I don't, I don't fully remember how it all happened, but I, I just know that I, I didn't have an agent for a little while. And then I got an agent and started to get scripts and it, it seemed like, okay, so is this, like what? What is this plan now? What is the game plan? Yeah, you know. And um, I really was adamant about. I wanted to do another movie because I loved it so much. I also really wanted to make my band like to get the album out to go on tour. I mean, these were things that I dreamed of since I was little. Yeah. So I was really trying to do both, and um, I think arguably I did both. I mean, I toured and I was able to be in movies and. Me leaving my band and nothing to do with wanting to pursue an acting career more um, obsessively, it just—it was just its own timing had ended. But um, yeah, that's. Was it sad to leave? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I loved, I love, I loved the guys. I mean, I loved the guys, and I loved being in a studio and making music. And I think the thing that helped make it a little bit better was knowing that, oh, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean I'm leaving music. I'm just leaving the situation. Right. Um, where, honestly, the touring thing was pretty... is not m- the best lifestyle for me in terms of um, that, you know, being on the road and a lot of time during the day leading up to just 45 minutes on a stage yeah. seemed odd, and I couldn't, get into, I couldn't get into a rhythm. Yeah. Um, I'm much more of a homebody and I think I'm also more productive when I have my things around me and I'm yeah. trying to make stuff. There's a loneliness that happens out there where you're just sort of For sure. at a shitty hotel yeah, in a part of town where nothing is. That's the truth. You wake yeah. up, you're going to walk what? out in a parking lot, you look yeah. around, where am I? It's sad. Yeah, and um, I also, I grew up with brothers and I'm pretty good with sharing, but I think also it's just a thing of, well, who's, whose cereal is this? Yeah. Can you move this? But I just wasn't into it. You know, like, who ate my cereal? And just, like, socks, cere- socks and stinkiness. and a cereal just, problem. Just, like, waking up wet and not knowing with what and how. <laughs> One time the singer of my band told me when we were on tour, he said, I woke up this morning covered in broken glass. Yeah. And uh, to me, that summed up the existential conundrum. Of, <laughs> he's like, I don't know where it came from. There's nothing else broken in the room. I don't know why I have broken glass, and I was like, "This is not a good life." Were you this guys is not drinking? What I was intended. Uh, they were. They were. We we would drink. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. But not too crazy. Um, you don't strike me as a drug guy. No, I mean, I I drink. Yeah, I loved I love to drink, and um, but more like at home. Yeah. More alone. Yeah, that's good. You drink alone. Yeah. When the kids are asleep. More like when you're wa- recording. Or yeah, I, I don't like to. I don't like to have a drink if my kids are awake. That's the truth. And um, but after I like have a nightcap and watch Sports Center and yeah. do music and stuff, but um, I don't like a. I'm not like a. I was never a beer person. No. I what do you drink? Um, I like tequila, vodka, or gin, just straight. Yeah. Nice. I love it. All right. So now, okay. So you're out of the band. You're an actor. Mm-hmm. 
And then, but like, let's talk about Bill Murray for a second. Did yeah. you, because you had to learn on the job, right? Yeah. Did he help you? Did Wes help you? I mean, yeah. what, because you have this sort of defined style, which is who you are. I couldn't have done it without Wes. He was my, he's my mentor and he's my best friend too. And we still work together and, um, and he definitely, it was just like great timing because I think, you know, he really was asking me about what I thought about things and mm-hmm. showing me movies. You like know, what? 17, I saw, like, I had never seen, I had never heard of Francois Truffaut. Right. And uh, the, that, you know, it's just like that mentor comes into your life and starts showing you stuff. And, and you're that young, too. So sure, you're very impressionable. So impressionable. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like someone who really comes in and, is just enough older than you that 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 they're a mentor and just and they're not young enough old. that they're right. yeah and just showing me movies and he showed show you me Truffaut. books he showed you Truffaut yeah Truffaut and um you know like just watching uh, Martin Scorsese movies and mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff um, and uh, just kind of getting my mind blown opening up a whole new world of of real like cinephile. Stuff like that. There was a whole that there was a whole world of this stuff out there that that I could. That I was. I really felt like where was this? Well, you know? it's so funny because your your uncle's got to be one of the biggest cinephiles in the world. Sure, yeah, but but again, you don't have that relationship with him, and he's your uncle. Yeah, I mean, now we talk about stuff all the time, but it's not like a. But not really even. I mean, I don't even. It's yeah. I don't. Uh, it comes up just because he loves movies, but I don't go hey. Yeah, your nay, Truffaut. You know, I don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't get into that stuff. But, I saw. I saw your. But he loves movies. When I was in college, I went and saw his reissue or the the re-edit of that Abel Gantz's Napoleon with your grandfather's score. That, that's the score that I was going to see in San Francisco. I saw it played live with the movie. That's that was the same this, thing okay. they were doing. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. amazing that you saw that. Oh yeah, with the triptych what with strange, the three yeah, screens. Yeah, three screens. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I was very was into amazing. it when I was in college. That's so what a weird connection. That's, yeah, that's exactly the thing. That was 1997. So, but that's interesting. So it took Wes because you know, I guess when you're with your family, it's your family. But I mean, you had seen your mother's work. You had seen The Godfather. Well, I only stuff. seen. I saw The Godfather first for the first time when I was sixteen. Yeah, um, n- not before, and uh, I'd seen Rocky, um, but um, and I loved it. Yeah, and um, and I was my mom's very shy, and I, it was probably weird for her. Like you know, we'd walk around and. The idea, Yo, Adrian, was such a big. Oh, so they people would do people that. People shout it, and she's, oh, thank you. You know, she's very embarrassed. <laughs> and I remember thinking at a young age, why is everyone saying this to her? <laughs> it's not her name. It's not who they might have. Why are they always confusing her? And you know, then I, she taught me about it a little bit. But she's a very private person, and um, yeah. But I saw like going to my uncle's. You know, like he showed. Uh, I saw like he showed Apocalypse Now once, and to us, and uh, to uh, to our family, a yeah. bunch of people, like a new print of it or something and yeah. we watched movies like um we watched yellow submarine when i was little and this movie a prick up your ear which prick was, up your ears yeah, yeah, yeah the, i saw that when i was like with six. gary oldham yeah i was like what the oh, fuck <laughs> and um so there were definitely things like that yeah. floating around but more older movies yeah i'm talking specifically like these kind of 60s 70s sure no i things know right and, and that that was like whoa and you know and then you start to get into it but um french new wave movies that yeah for sure well that must have helped you with huckabees yeah that's for a sure that's a for bizarre sure. it just yeah. got me into the world of paying closer attention to those things um art films mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah was that the next big movie you did huckabees there were a few in the middle yeah but i would say that that i really loved right um 
But that was, yeah, that would, I would say would be the next bigger one. And like Murray, did he, like, what, when so you So Bill were... Murray, yeah, he was like, so when I met him, it was very intimidating. Yeah. And um, as you can imagine. Yeah. And, um, and in the beginning, I think it was, he was trying to get his footing and I was probably f- freaked out and starstruck. Right. But after a while, I think that we, he really kind of, he really kind of uh, got behind me and really helped me. And uh, I couldn't have done it without him either, you know, and his support. And for sure, Wes, I mean, Wes did a thing where I was in Houston. I was 17. He was two doors down from me in the hotel. And every night he would have dinner with me. And we would talk about the scenes the next day. I mean, he really helped me. He's like a very specific, like as he evolved as a director, like it's like every frame is a jewelry box or something. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're looking at some, yeah. some meticulously organized... Yeah. He has a vision, you know, totally a vision. Yeah, completely visual yeah. in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, very much. And it's 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 mind-blowing. Yeah, I've never is. seen anybody construct something like that. Nor have I, and, um, but it's uh, it's really a beautiful thing to, to see. And he has an emotional kind of similar thing where he has an idea for a, a tone that he wants to try to get, and um, I, I love him so, so much, and I, I'm glad to say that our... Friendship and our working relationship to this day continues to evolve, and um, I think it's you know great when you can find someone that you want to that you can work with and that you want to work with over and over again because I think that there's less chit chat every time. Right, you just get more deep or yeah. go to the work more quickly. Right. Oh yeah, because you have a shorthand and, and you're you less embarrassed. And there's a whole crew of those guys that come from Texas, isn't there? Sure. The Wilson Owen, brothers. Yeah, and, Owen and Luke. Yeah, and Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> and for sure. Put, well, how many new movies have you done with them? Four. Three or four? With West? With West. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Let's see if we can figure it out. Darjeeling Rushmore, Limited. Rushmore. Rushmore. Um, Darjeeling Limited. Fantastic uh, Mr. Fantastic Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Grand Budapest Hotel. Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. So five. Oh, and my I did God. A, and I did a this short film, Hotel Chevalier. So yeah. Like five and a half. And then you worked with, so you worked with David O. Russell on yep. that thing. That was That right. was amazing. Was it? The best, yeah. It's crazy movie. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I like that movie. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand like how someone decides to make a movie like that. Yeah. Do you? Well, it was an amazing experience and um the thing that I I always feel so deeply thankful and or just blown away to David about and for was that before that movie, there was another movie we were supposed to make. Yeah. Right after Rushmore, I met him and he said, I've got a movie idea and I'm, I'm, I want to talk to you about it. And, and we sat down and it was this super in-depth um, movie about an ensemble movie. And it was going. I mean, it had a crew. It was a script. And there was a, and I was pr- prepared to do it. And we were talking about it, meeting about it, having these meetings. And a few weeks before we started it, he called me on the phone really early in the morning. And he said, hey, I'm just going to give you the call first before I call everybody else. I'm going to say that we're not going to do this movie. I'm going to pause this movie because it just doesn't feel right and I don't want to do something unless it feels right. I promised myself I wouldn't do it. But I promise you, the next thing we do, you will be in it. I, I promise. I thought, okay, well, thank you. I, I was heartbroken because I was so ready to do this movie. And Did that movie ever get made? No. And um, and uh, What was it? Well, maybe he'll make it one day, so I don't ever want to like okay. say too much. But um, I, I, it involved a lot of um, um, a lot of music. I had written a lot of music for it, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, anyways, I still I stayed in touch with David, but 
I had gone on tour and a, a little while had gone by. And then one day I get a call from saying, where can I send you something? And I then this package came. I opened it and there was a script. It said, uh, I, I don't know if it said I Heart Huckabees. It might have just said untitled David Russell movie in a little note that said lovingly crafted for you. Love, David o. Russell. And I read it and um, it was the it was I Heart Huckabees and it blew my mind and um, thus began our venture on that together and it was about a year of me going to his house almost every day and we'd go on hikes together and I would sit he's so busy that it was hard to get like to schedule a meeting on the phone to talk about it so I figured what I'll do is I'll just go to his house every day and I'll sit in the other room and I'll work on this movie and if he has 10 minutes free, he can come in and we can talk about it and he can go back and I'll just be there. And that's what I did. He was okay with that? Yeah, he was. He loved it, yeah. And so it was great for me. I would just go to his house and I'd set up like in this like den TV room yeah. my script and notes and I would make questions. And then if David is like, I got 45 minutes, want to go for a walk? We just go for a walk and I'd kind of go over what I was thinking yeah. about and that was how it evolved. It was amazing. And to this day, I kind of like the idea. I just like being close to the project. Yeah, that's very close. Yeah, it's extremely. <laughs> Too close. You've you moved in with him. But I loved it, and um, it was the best. I have so many great experiences from it. And, um, you know, I met Mark Wahlberg, who is, I don't know. Like, he's great. He's the coolest. I mean, he's, 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 he's really solid. He's amazing. He is. I love him. Yeah. And uh, Isabella Huppert. Isabella was Huppert, yeah. and, who was amazing. And, and I mean, everybody was great. Naomi and Dustin. Yeah. Hoffman. Yeah. And um And Lily Tomlin. Yep, Lily Tomlin, who as you know. Dustin Hoffman. How is that? And Jude Law. Jude Law, the yeah. The best. It's a crazy movie. It's the best. I, I, I had such a great time and to me it didn't it wasn't crazy because I, I guess I just knew it so deeply at that point you know talking to david about it and what were the talks about though i mean like w- w- because it, it's a f- it's a, what would you call that a farce i mean what is that movie that's it's what a- dustin would always say he's right. like hey guys it's a farce <laughs> remember it's a farce <laughs> is it i never saw it as a farce well what did you see it as um i saw it as um i you know you know i mean you must know what it's like when you get so hyper focused yeah. That you don't see everything. Right. And those are my favorite kind of movies anyway. It's my life. Yeah. Ex- well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I thought it was about this guy who was at a breaking point, who was starting to see all these coincidences, and yeah. thought it must have meant something more, and who could he go talk to? He needed guidance, and he found these existential detectives to help to help him sort right. out his life. And um, it made total sense to me. Yeah. Uh, because we talked about it every day, and we talked about coincidence, and love and disaster and being confused and lost and sharing stories with each other and by the time we got to shooting it's it was a very serious movie about um about a guy going to existential detectives for you it was yeah for sure <laughs> for sure and working with people like with like Hoffman having you know like again even more so than Murray that you have this guy with this kind of catalog of experience yes not to see his process, did, did any of that, did you, what did you notice about well, it? Well, you have all the kind of like typical young actor stuff that's really funny. Like for instance, yeah, you know, I am, Dustin Hoffman means a lot to me on many levels. I hadn't seen The Graduate till I was about to go do Rushmore. My mom's, my mom read the script of Rushmore and she was said, I'll be right back. She went to Blockbuster, yeah. came back with three movies. Harold and Maude, The Graduate and Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. I'd never seen them. Yeah. And my life was changed 
instantly another mentor moment seriously what was it about those Uh, movies my mom tour um mom tour dustin Hoffman and the graduate was i couldn't believe it i could see that how that would have an impact or be inform uh rushmore yeah it was just i had never seen a lead character like that yeah and um anyways um and dog day afternoon and dog day afternoon was just insane because to me it was so funny yeah He's so funny in it. Yeah, he's so vulnerable. Like, I know. It's, it's just like, like the last time you saw him like that. I mean, I mean, when he's like trying to jump up and put like put something on the camera, yeah. and, and the way he, if you watch the movie, like, there's a way he goes to the, he like takes out his gun. He looks like he's holding a box of fire. So he rips it like he's crazy. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, just insane. It's yeah. like so unhinged. And what was the other one? Harold and Maude. Oh yeah, yeah, Bud Court. Yeah. yeah, and so, so I love Dustin Hoffman and. When he told me he was going to be in it, I guess, oh my God. I what about it. these young actor things? What were you well, so say? one is that I got this documentary that David had that was the making of Tootsie. Yeah. And um, I saw that he was wearing a blue Lacoste shirt and he had this binder, uh, like a binder with a script. And I said, I'm going to wear a Lacoste shirt and have a binder too. <laughs> um, and it's and it's great. You and, saw that in the Tootsie documentary? Yeah, yeah. and I said, I'm going to become that. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be like. Yeah. And I remember- For your process. Yeah. yeah. Like, just trying to figure it out, because I'm not a trained actor, so yeah. part of it's emulation. And, right. And, um, you know, also, my my father, he passed away when I was 13. Yeah. Uh, 13, 14. And um, so I learned how to shave from watching The Graduate. Right. Because um, he, like, <laughs> right. he shaves in it a lot. Yeah. And- um. So I like you, I, I you know that's being a fan you put a lot on people. So I, I, dude, I, yeah. I remember they Dustin came for this table read and I went in the bathroom. I like locked myself in there. I couldn't come out. I was shaking, and um, but these young actor things are like things like I was so nervous. I got so into it. I was like going to uh, I flew I like flew out to Paramus, New Jersey. That's where the movie was originally set, and I stood outside of like a Home Depot and read poetry to see what that would feel like because that's what the character does right. and half people yell at me and I filmed it. I put a camera on a car. Like I did all this like dumb, not dumb, but stuff that was, you know, I was looking for an answer Yeah, and that was the way that I would help me and I would tell Dustin stuff like this and he'd go, really? You don't want to just do it like that? You know, he, it seemed like everything you'd heard about him wasn't true anymore and I was like kind of embarrassed. <laughs> he was so easygoing and... And I remember uh, really? kind of being hurt. Like I saw this on the on the iHeart Huckabees. You've done all this method stuff. All this crazy stuff. Yeah. But on the documentary for iHeart Huckabees, yeah. there's this yeah. moment where Dustin's uh, talking about every actor in the movie and he's <laughs> like, Jude is just fantastic. And uh, Naomi and, of course, Mark is a revelation. And, and Jason Schwartzman is so um, obsessive. <laughs> And I remember, oh my god, like <laughs> it was, I don't know, obsessive. What the fuck? I'm just trying to do what you were. I was just, I'm, I learned. You know, you taught me everything. It was a little like that, but I wasn't like emulating him. But it was, but you I were just was looking for a method. Yeah, I was looking for something, yeah. and he seemed to be like a good answer. Yeah. Oh, it's so um, sad. But it was really funny. It was the best, and he's he's so sweet and he's so goofy, and he. He really is, he was such a, he taught me so many things. For instance, the first day of shooting, David O. Russell wanted to change some lines around. Yeah. And he told me a new line. And then I went up to Dustin. I said, Dustin, just so you know, David told me to do these new lines. I'm just telling you. So then he's like, God's okay. So later at the end of the day, my first day of work complete, I went to his trailer and I said, Mr. Hoffman, I just want to say I'm so, so, uh, I want to say thank you for letting me mess around out there and yeah. 
and try those different things. And he said, are you kidding me? A take is the one place in life you can fail. Yeah. And uh, it, it was so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, you know what I mean? It was just, he's saying, don't worry about it. Just yeah. let it, let it rip. And um, he just, you know, he was so free and he loves trying things. Yeah. And uh, every take he's messing around. And he's and he's really trying to help everyone. And I remember there's one take. There's one scene in the movie where he says to me, uh, he he like asks me if I want something. He's like, "Do you want this? Is this what you want with your life?" And I said, "Yeah." I couldn't get it right. And then, but earlier that day, he'd walked in wearing a really cool button-up shirt. Yeah. And then we were doing these takes, and it was my close-up. And then he he said, "Do you understand what I'm saying?" And I'm, yes. Do you really understand? Yes. And he held out a shirt. He took out a shirt from behind his back. He said, "Do you want this shirt?" I said, "Yeah." And I said, then come get it. And I walked off. But they, they used the take of me saying, yeah, about the shirt. Oh, really? For like me. So <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Like he's very helpful. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So your father passed away when you were young. Yeah. And he was in movies? No, he was a entertainment lawyer and then a movie producer. But you have good memories. You know, yeah, he, yeah. You weren't so young. For sure. No, yeah. yeah. Memories are a tricky thing. I, they're not, I don't seem to have, I don't know really what people's memories are like. My memories don't seem to be as... Uh, they're they're vague and then some are super detailed. Yeah, like I can remember what a pattern on a shirt was, right? But in one memory, and then I have no recollection of something else. Of like bigger memories. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder how that was loaded up emotionally in your head. Just yeah, in general, it seems to be that way. With everything, still, yeah. Like the you know there there could be huge events that are just gone, but yeah. you remember some shoes. Yeah, like I'll, or I'll remember, like. Uh, like what the layout of a room and where the bathroom was and right. where the exit sign was. Like I can remember like weird things like that sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. But then I can't remember like someone's like, yeah, we met. Remember we talked all about this? Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't remember I don't, that. I don't remember you at all. Yeah. So I don't know what that attributes <laughs> to, but. I have that too. So I watched the, the new movie. Mm -hmm. We could, Obviously, I think we could probably talk forever. The, I thought it was great. Thanks. It was, a, it was kind of a, an abrasively. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Abrasive is the word. But but charming somehow. Mm, I think yeah. that you have a, a natural amount of charm that's going to carry even the biggest asshole through an entire film. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, <laughs> but it, no, it was uh, it was fun to play. I mean, this character was a guy who definitely never has a moment where uh, it's, you're supposed up to like him. Listen up, yeah, Philip. Philip, Philip yeah. is in Listen Up, Philip. He's a pretty abrasive, relentlessly mean person at times, and. But he never like has a moment where he like tries to be nice, or um, tries to like say just kidding, which um, honestly like I think I've done that in the past where it's just the way things work out is like you there is a redeeming moment or an attempt at a redeeming moment and I like this because there wasn't. He's very unsympathetic. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, and hard to like. It's yeah. a, it's a weird little movie in a yeah. way. It was seemed to be shot very um, uh, cheaply. Yeah, it was. Um, well. It's funny you say because it was. It, I haven't ever done like a GI Joe budget movie. Yeah. Um, but compared to what I've done before, this was a very low budget for this director. This was like eight times the budget of his last movie. And how bigger? How did you get a script like that? Why he, he's you the the director? What's his name? Alex Ross Perry. Yeah, he approached you. Um, no, I got. I, I was sent the script um, through my agent, and it came with a DVD, and. Um, I was kind of taken by it, honestly, because it was so much bigger than a normal script. It was yeah. way thicker. Yeah. Um, and I know it's an odd thing to have catch your attention, but, and I was kind of, I flipped through it when I first got it, and 
it was so descriptive. It looked almost more like a book. Yeah. And I thought, ah, that's what someone took a lot of time to yeah. write this. Yeah. I should, I'd like to read it. Yeah. And, um, but, but when I read it, it was the, the character comes out of the gate saying some pretty harsh stuff mm-hmm. and he's not treating the people around him very kindly. And it kind of like rubbed up against me the wrong way. I, I typically, um, you know, I love humor that is fucked up. Yeah. But I typically will gravitate towards someone who is not mean to other people. He just messes up situations because he's, he's Self-involved. got some problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. uh, I don't gravitate to as much as like, hey, look at Fatty over there. Yeah, yeah. As much as like... Mean-spirited. Fatty trying to not eat bad and then he eats bad and he's got right. like food all over his... You know, like, I, I, I like um, more when it comes out of there. So these characters doing that, I was like, whoa. But there was something, it was so elegantly composed. Like, really, the script was so beautiful. Like, he would describe everything in the room and full of all kinds of details that were really odd. Like, he would say... Uh, this, you know, he walks in the room, it is filled with this, 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 it is his birthday. But you never hear it's his birthday in the movie. Right. Just weird details. Like, this is a peculiar piece. <laughs> but I definitely felt like after 30 minutes of reading it, I'm going to put this down. Yeah. It's too claustrophobic for me. Yeah. This is too much. This is too, this character has got too much venom. Yeah. But after 30 minutes of being away from it, I was thinking, what's going on with him? I couldn't, like I was right. addicted. So I went back and I... Read another 30 pages. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe he would do that Yeah, put this away. And that kind of went back up and back and up and back for the whole day. And at the end, I thought, man, I really, I love this thing. Yeah. And I love that it never has that <laughs> redeeming moment. And it has some cool stuff. Like, it's all about Philip, my character. But then it, all of a sudden, it becomes about his girlfriend. And Philip drops out of the movie. And then all of a sudden, it becomes about Jonathan Price's character. And we drop out of the movie. And that was unusual to me, like, shifting the narrative. Like that? I mean, you see it sometimes, but it's rare. He's a hell of an actor. Oh, my God. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, like, I, had, it was surprising to see him. Oh like, I was God. like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, I was definitely very intimidated because he also, because I'm not trained and he's, you know, yeah. he just come from doing King Lear. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure if it was like, uh, like, I wasn't sure if it was like, I, I have a car shop in a small town I do my best, but there's no one really in this town who's going to question me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, you need a new this, and they're yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here comes, like, the guy who's, like, you know, works, designs cars. Yeah. He's coming into, like, his car broke. He's coming in, and it's like, yeah. like, is this the guy that's going to, like, call bullshit? But, um, but yeah, he's uh, amazing, and to watch him work. And also, you know, he was in G.I. Joe, and uh, our budget, our budget was smaller, and I was thinking... How's this gonna be for him? There's no trailers. Yeah. There's no, there's no comforts. Well, they like to act. Uh, they like to act. That yeah. was what I was gonna. Say. Yeah, he likes to act, and it was a real lesson in being always being agile. Yeah. Like he doesn't need. He didn't need anything. Yeah. He doesn't need any fancy food or anything special. And I think the less you need, and the more quickly you can go to work and just pick up and leave. Yeah. Seems maybe the better. I mean, that was what was I learned from him. How long was it. the shoot? 25 days. Yeah, so he's in and out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the movie, and there was like the interest, like it had sort of a, a Huckabee's kind of uh, tension to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's tense, and we play this, the whole movie is sort of about these people in the worst part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, that was sort of always the idea was, let's just show nine months 
in a terrible time for these people. And I think that that was freed it up to not have a cathartic moment at the end. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's in the spirit of those types of movies where the person at the end really isn't all that different from the person at the beginning. Um, and, like, Alex was talking about, like, American Gigolo, like, that movie opens with a guy driving, you know, in his convertible and it ends with him in jail. And in a way, it's a similar thing of a guy... Like, he doesn't... Like, we're not condoning the behavior. Right. Because no, he yeah. doesn't end up... Do, I mean, if he had a cathartic, great moment and everything, he learned something at the end, it'd be like, well, then it's okay to be this way. But right. really, the girls are the only ones that get out alive. Yeah, that's you right. You know, like, the, the guys end up really screwed up. And um, th- it was a real... There was something so nice about doing that. And also, playing, like... Um, I don't confront people, really, in my life. I never had to do it. I, I think that I always got away with... Humor, which led into a passive-aggressive right. type thing with people. With my family, I could say, like, that's bullshit. Right. But this character says exactly what he's thinking all the time, and that is not really me. Right. And um, it was fun to do it. All right, so, all right, before you go here, I was over at Amazon yesterday mm-hmm. uh, pitching, and, they, and I told them I was talking to you today, and yeah. they're like, why, isn't he going to be here today? They, or something like yeah. you know, he's, you're going to talk uh, to him. Yeah, you're doing a thing with them. Yeah. How many have you shot? I'm What's... doing. A, I'm I'm uh, executive producing um, and um, writing a few of a TV show called Mozart in the Jungle, and we have ten. We're do, we, that's including the pilot. So we've we're shooting nine, and next week we start the final one. And and you're a podcaster. Well, I I um I play a part. Uh, it's all about classical music in New York yeah. and the scene and different levels of it and the high and the low and trying to get into it and and stuff. And I play, um, Malcolm McDowell plays this guy named Thomas Pembridge, who's the former maestro superconductor of the, of the New York Symphony, as we mm-hmm. call it. But he's now on the way out. But he's there as this kind of like like a like a leftover king or something. He's not really sure what his job is. And uh, in my scene with him... He's excited that he's getting an interview, um, and he's putting on makeup and all this stuff. And I walk in, and he's saying, "So we can put the cameras over here." I was thinking we'd set up the cameras here. Um, the, you know, the BBC did it like this, and I think the light's very good. And I'm saying, "Oh, there's no cameras." Um, he says, Excuse me, as this is a podcast. Yeah. And um, oh, wonderful! That's what he says, and uh, thrilling. Yeah. And um, I sit down. And I have a podcast called um, B Sharp. Yeah. And because. Um, <laughs> Because that's a note that doesn't exist, and um, my name is Bradford Sharp, yeah. and um, I'm a very quiet talking classical music uh-huh. podcaster. Yeah, who's but who's really like you know I, I wanted to be kind of cool and stuff. He wears a leather vest, <laughs> and uh, it was really fun. It was amazing to work opposite Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, you're, you're getting a couple of good. English we wrote guys. this. We wrote this scene. Um, we wrote this scene where it's an interview, but he said, "Can we? Can you just interview me for real? Just you know, just let the cabas roll and." And I talked to him for 15 minutes. Yeah. And he answered all these questions as this character. It was amazing. Wow. It was a thrilling moment. I mean, I was like, does he, has he really conducted? It seemed like he had really conducted. I was like, tell me about conducting Mozart. Oh, my God. It's the best. I mean, you know, of course, you're in touch with God. It was, like, it was, it was amazing. So, yeah. It was really cool. And, well, that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. It's been, it's been is, hard, but fun. What's your relationship with New York? Um, I don't live there. I know. I live in L.A., but my relationship with it is... Um, I've never lived there, as a matter of fact. But I hear it in your music, too. 
a little bit. About New York? Yeah, something about it. Well, I love it. As a, my, Both my parents were from there. My dad was from Brooklyn, and my mom was from Long Island. Yeah. Um, and I, um, it's still, because I've never lived there, it's, it's when I'm there. It's everything is beautiful to me. It's amazing, right? Yeah, I, I'm like, oh, look at these buildings. Yeah. And look at that and the pace. And yeah, the... so I'm definitely like. Uh, it's a romantic idea. It's but... still romantic to me, yeah. even when it's not romantic. Because yeah. for bored to death, you know, we'd be there for four or five months. Right. And uh, you know, at the fourth month, I'm like, oh, I could go home now. But right. I, it's still amazing to me. And it, um, there's nothing like it that really when you get nothing. within the city and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And um. The uh, the community of people that seems to be there, it's really good. But it's funny because I have such a positive thing. Alex, the director of our movie, it's funny because he was saying to me, he's like, yeah, New York, you know, I want to show it's like cutthroat and it's claustrophobic and people walk slowly and you feel like shit and you want to get out and it's loud and, you know, people will take you down if they can and I love it and I'll never live anywhere else. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's how he sort of feels about it and mm. sees it and... um I love it there, but I, I love Los Angeles because I'm yeah. from here and I think there's, uh, I don't know, I just cheesy stuff. Like I like the light yeah, and yeah. the way it feels when it starts to set and I like the space. and Yeah, it's cooling down a little. Yeah, I love it. So um, what do you do today? What's going on now? Today, uh, I'm going to go do a few lines for uh, Motor in the Jungle, some ADR lines. Yeah. And then I'm going to Chicago. Today you're going? Yeah. Oh, well, have fun. It's a great city. Yeah, it's the best. Good talking to you. I man. love Chicago. It's this great. was great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun, man. You're you're uh, you're a great one. I appreciate it. All right, see that's a, he was a nice guy. What a pleasant conversation. I love that guy. So, uh, what do I got to tell you? Go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get that app. Why not? 500 plus episodes, 550 something, I don't even know anymore. You get the free app and you get the, the most recent 50, always free, and then you upgrade and you can stream all of them. What else? So what, do, did you enjoy the show? The music you hear on this show, the theme song uh, was created by John Montagna, and uh, the new music that you hear on today's show is by a guy named uh, DJ Copley. And uh, then there's my noodling at the end. But I, I just, you know, thanks for listening. I'm going to be at work all day, doing my thing. I don't even know what a compressor does. Do you? Let me see. Hit it. I don't know. Do you hear any difference? We know what the phaser does. Hee hee hee. Boomer lives!